0: Approximately 2.27 this morning, San Francisco police officers were dispatched to the residence of Speaker Nancy Pelosi regarding an A-priority well-being check. When the officers arrived on scene, they encountered an adult male and Mr. Pelosi's husband, Paul. Our officers observed Mr. Pelosi and the suspect both holding a hammer. The suspect pulled the hammer away from Mr. Pelosi and violently assaulted him with it. Our officers immediately tackled the suspect, disarmed him, took him into custody, requested emergency backup, and rendered medical aid. And happy Saturday, and welcome to The Deal. I'm your host, Ed Clark. Thanks so much for joining us this Saturday. It is Saturday, October 29th, 2022, and we're so happy you decided to come and join us. Um, There's a plenty to talk about. Obviously, this is political season, and obviously, there are people who uh don't like certain politicians and, and the lead in the lead-in to the program we saw the attack on nancy pelosi's husband i want to talk about that but we got a ton of other things to talk about uh you know so i gotta have somebody to talk to so hey val welcome back to the deal thank you Ed. good to be here you, you know there's a whole bunch in the intro coming in and, and obviously we saw um the clip there with the San Francisco uh, chief of police talking about the attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband. I want to jump right into it because we got so many things to cover today, but, uh, you know, clearly there have been some people who want to commit violence. We've seen it in, in in the one six thing, you know, people, you know, and we'll talk about that in just a minute being convicted of, uh, uh, for attacking the police officer there, but but what about this political violence against people like Nancy Pelosi's husband? Apparently, this guy when he broke in said he was looking for Nancy. Uh, are we are we in just different territory here? I know we've had political assassinations in the United States history, but is this different territory that we're in now?
1: I think it might be it, but and I want to focus on the reason. I think that some people on the far, far right have been emboldened and have been allowed to think that there is no retribution for their foul deeds and acts because the justice system, the wheels of justice appears to be moving so slowly. We see people doing things and it takes forever even to get them to trial. It takes even longer for something to happen. And then nothing happens. They either get a pardon or somebody uh, escapes on appeal or whatever. So I think certain people have been emboldened that there's no price to pay. You can do just about whatever you want, especially if it benefits some people on the right, or people that have a conservative bent in this country, you have a good chance of getting away with whatever you want to do. They'll applaud you. Like there were some folks watching their TV on January the 6th of the year uh, 2021, and they were applauding what they saw. Uh, And they didn't do a thing to talk about, uh, to uh, stop it. didn't even want to talk about it. And I think those kinds of things it uh, have emboldened people to try just about anything, including attacking the husband of the Speaker of the House of Representatives for the United States of America, unthought of in years past. Unthought of.
0: Yeah, you know, Val, you know, they, they find a man in the Speaker's House. Uh, attacks uh, Mr. Pelosi with a hammer. Uh, uh, They say that he's going to recover. You know, I do this so you don't have to. So I went out and took a look at this guy's website, Val. And I'm not even going to post a link to it or whatever, because I don't want people to read this stuff. But uh, clearly he's unhinged. He talked a lot about uh, sex trafficking and and people eating babies you know that whole qAnon Q- Q conspiracy thing i got a clip here uh this is uh from msnbc and they're talking about uh michael flynn and roger stone they're out on a tour uh the great awakening tour whatever the hell they're calling it uh, let's take a look at it and then we'll talk about this cuz i think this is part of the key to people like this guy who Broken to the Speaker's house.
1: Gentlemen, I stand before you as living proof that Jesus Christ can do anything.
2: That's noted Jesus lover, Roger Stone. Yes, that Roger Stone, the convicted, then pardoned, longtime fixer for Richard Nixon and Donald J. Trump, talking about his apparent newfound love of the Lord. It's all part of what's being called the Reawaken America Roadshow, a tent-style pro-Trump, pro-QAnon, pro-Christian nationalist revival tour that's generated millions of dollars since it was launched shortly after the January 6th insurrection. The Roadshow was the brainchild of former Trump national security adviser and current conspiracy theorist, Michael Flynn. So, about
0: Roger Stone is a swinger. He's admitted to it. He he goes to sex parties. He's a swinger. He and his wife. Uh, he has been multiple convicted, but you know, got off by, by uh Donald Trump, pardoning him. He led the Dirty Tricks division over <laughs> as far back as Richard Nixon. Uh he's been a, a propping up Donald Trump for decades now. And he worked for with Manafort, who spent a lot of time in jail. Uh, they had an agency together, R- Manafort and Stone, right? They helped uh, dirty politicians all around the world, politicians who killed people. Um, and then you see him along with Michael Flynn, who has helped the Russians. What is this boom, you know what, about Uh, Jesus Christ and Christianity and these two clowns going around the country having some uh, religious awakening tour. What what the hell is that, Val?
1: They're trying to get out in front of this whole abortion piece. They know that uh, Dobbs was all about the business of of giving a, a nice victory cloth to the evangelical right. That's what that was about. And they are thinking, well, let's get on the side of this. Uh, let's show all of the people that put this through, Alito and company, that put this thing through, that we know where you're coming from and we're one of the disciples on this thing too. So let's uh, send up the flag for Jesus, you know, and let's do whatever. You mentioned uh, uh, Roger. And his crowd and all the illicit and heinous things that uh, he and his wife are doing, and then got the nerve to stand up in front of a crowd and 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 talk about things uh, about being born again or something of that nature. Uh, and it's just a sign of the time, Ed. I bundle it up and say this: We don't have the law enforcement system, nor the justice system in place in this country right now to combat what is going on. What's going on right now is not some playground prank, OK? These are attacks on our the fundamentals of our institutions, democracy, freedom, justice, liberty, all of those kinds of things are being uh, are becoming under attack and you can't manage that with this slingshot justice, with this slingshot type of uh, apprehension system we got. We're trying to be nice. We're trying to do things like, well, let's make sure they can't win on appeal and let's make sure we follow the letter of the law If you're going to do that kind of stuff, go back to the Constitution and take out that part that reads and talks about martial law, because there's no place for it in this type of system that we got now. That's what's called for when people start acting as they're acting now. They have no respect for the law, the rule of law, custom, and the way things should be to promote the good will and welfare of the country and its people. They have no respect for that. So your normal laws don't work. Your normal approach to justice doesn't work. And as soon as Democrats and other 1975 compromisers understand that and get off of this bipartisan stuff and start making decisions based on what is best for the salvation of this country called America, the sooner that happens, the better, because you can't go into a fight of, with, against a tank with a sli- with a slingshot. You can't do that. You can't expect to win.
0: Well, they uh, uh, there's a group of people that seem to keep doing that. You know, in 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 fighting a tank with a slingshot is a, a apt description of what it seems like happens all the time. The Republicans have never been shy about throwing everything at it, you know, to win. That they, they hold no quarter. You know, uh if you're listening to this, this is the deal. I'm your host Ed Clark. That's Val Atkinson. You hear? uh If you're listening to us on our podcast, you can get that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Facebook, YouTube, Venmo, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're we're everywhere. Uh, so tell your friends to uh, subscribe. Uh, we're trying to build an audience and, um, we've got a lot of exciting things coming down the Pike. So please, uh, by all means, uh, uh, check us out. Uh, we're, we're here to talk about things that probably you may hear a little bit about, but you don't get the kind of analysis that you get anywhere else. But so Val, the, the other part of this, like I said, is that we see them out on this tour. We see people like the guy who breaks into, um, uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi's house. I got this other clip that I want to show you. Uh, this is about uh, somebody who's been convicted, uh, who actually pled guilty to attacking a Capitol police officer. And then we'll talk about uh, what some more one six fallout.
2: Washington moments ago, Capitol riot defendant, Albuquerque Cosper head sentenced to seven and a half years in prison for attacking former Metro police officer, Michael Fanon. NBC News Justice reporter Ryan Riley joins us now. Ryan, we know that Officer Fanon spoke in court today. What did he say? That's right. He talked about the impact that this really has had on his career, how he would trade all of this fame and notoriety that he's gained uh, after January 6th in a moment for him to return to policing and talking about how he really, you know, this took away his policing career. So a sentence of 90 days uh, or sorry, 90 months rather was handed out in this case, just a bit short of what prosecutors had requested. They wanted a full eight years, ended up with about seven and a half years there. Uh, So a significant sentence handed down in this January 6th case as the court sort of churns through a number of cases. also waiting on a verdict uh, in the case of a Capitol police officer who actually tipped off another Capitol rider to take down his Facebook post, um, and that trial, that jury is still deliberating in the same uh, courtroom. Actually, that uh, that this uh, Albuquerque Copperhead uh, was sentenced to uh, to just under eight years now in this. On-
0: so Val, um, so this particular person decides to plead guilty. Now clearly, it's on tape. You see him beating up the cop. Uh, And at the end of the clip, they also say that there were some Capitol police officers that helped out some of the Capitol rioters. Uh, You talk about the wheels of justice turning really slow. Uh, You know, we're we're almost two years since 1-6. And uh, there are people going to prison now, some people getting long sentences or whatever. But the main culprit in this, Donald Trump, ain't in handcuffs. He ain't had the perp walk yet. Of course, the 1-6 committee, we talked about it last time we were here, has subpoenaed him, uh, and he claims he wants to go there and show up. Is Donald Trump ever going to show up to a 1-6 committee hearing? And then the second part of that is, is my dream going to be fulfilled to see him in an orange jumpsuit? I just i I want him in a matching orange jumpsuit, the matching skin tone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: match his skin tone and the color of his hair (laughs) that would be all orange you know i've i've been asked that question before ed and i came down on the side that i thought that you will see him in an orange jumpsuit you will see him doing the perk walk and he'll spend some time not very much maybe just a few months but at the end of the day i think that's going to be his future that this is going to happen uh, and as usual, the way we compromisers do, uh, and bipartisan people do, is we try to make the sentence as light as possible, hoping we will convince the other side that we want to play nicely, and we're good guys unless everybody walk down the road together, okay? So I still stick to that. I think that's going to happen. Uh, but I, I think you'll get your wish about the orange jumpsuit and the perk walk and the incarceration, but I don't think it'll be as long as you would like for it to be.
0: Well, there you go. So uh, I, I hope Val Atkinson is right about that because I am sick and tired of uh, uh seeing this dude. Uh, I, I don't know, uh, Val, you know, um, I'm sure there's been corrupt presidents in the past, right? I mean, th- 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 but, th- but to the extent of how much damage this guy caused, I think he prolonged COVID. Uh, I think uh, you know he hurt our standing in the world in a lot of different ways. Uh, but you know w- we'll see. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about the election b- before we take our break because I want to set up what we want to talk about um, in in the in the next segment. I was in Georgia this week. Uh, And uh, in Athens, Georgia, by the way, which is where Herschel Walker applied his trade playing football for the University of Georgia. And if anybody's been to Athens, uh, you know that Athens reminds you of being somewhere like, I don't know, Sanford, North Carolina. It just happens to have a big university in the middle of town. But for the most part, it's it's a small rural Georgia town that has a big university stuck in the middle of it. And so as you drive into Athensville, all I saw was Kemp signs. I saw, you know, Vote Republican. I saw people standing beside the road selling Trump 2024 20, t-shirts. Uh, I saw people standing beside the road selling all kinds of paraphernalia related to QAnon in that area as I drove around the area. What surprised me is I didn't see as many Herschel Walker signs as I expected. And then I only saw Abrams and Warnock signs on the black side of town in Athens. Out in the country, I saw no Warnock signs and that kind of thing. Uh, I'm gonna take a break and when we come back, I wanna start with what your expectations are of the elections. I wanna talk about two races, that Walker-Warnock race and the Federman-Oz race. But I also want to talk about some voter suppression things that are going on like what DeSantis is doing in Florida. So if everybody stay right there, we'll be right back after this message with more on the deal. My friends and I have been thinking about our
2: reproductive rights, so we started talking about voting in the upcoming election. My friend told me she used vote411.org for her first time voting. It helped her figure out her voter registration, learn about candidates on her ballot, and more. She even made a personalized voter guide. And she didn't have to wait until election day to cast her vote. Vote 411 lets you know whether you can vote early, in person, or by mail in your state. Head to vote411.org today and make your plan to vote.
0: Apparently, I, I guess you have a warrant? For what?
2: I'm not sure. It's for voter stuff, man. For it's, voters. It's uh, what it uh, is, It. I think the agents with FDLE talked to you last week yeah, about yeah. some voter fraud, voter stuff, when you weren't supposed to be voting, maybe. I
1: didn't.
2: So. I don't know
1: if I can answer. What are they talking they, about? That's what you're, they...
2: We're not the case agents, but what you got to do, they, they have reduced your bond quite a bit. It, it's two felony charges for voter fraud, but they've what? reduced it to $500 bonds. So it's thousand dollars. Oh my God, man! What? So, the... Yes, sir. So unfortunately, right now we're gonna have to take you to jail. Wow, man!
1: What are they doing this to me? I
2: didn't do nothing, to nobody, yeah, man.
1: Yeah. Vote fraud.
0: What is vote fraud? Voting when you're not supposed to, sir. And welcome back to our second segment of the deal. Thanks so much for joining us, uh, as I said before, uh, we appreciate all the support that we're getting, uh, adding new followers all the time, join us on Spotify, Anchor, wherever, whatever platform you decide to choose, but whatever it is, just join us, because we we got a lot to say and we want you to hear, we're going to be doing some other stuff too, we want to start getting more participation from the audience, so... If you want to uh, create your own uh, 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 audio recordings or videos and share them with us, we take those in a heartbeat. You can always uh, go to TheDealWithEdClark.com where you can always send us a message or you can email me, Ed at TheDealWithEdClark.com or Val at TheDealWithEdClark.com and then uh, we'll be more than happy to respond. If you got show ideas, please do that. All of that, so uh, that's our housekeeping. But Val, in the lead-in, we saw this poor fella being arrested in in Florida uh, for voting. He went down to the Board of Elections, and in the backstory behind this is his brother encouraged him to go because there was a law passed in Florida that gives felons, past felons who have served their uh reinstated the right to vote. So this fella goes down, he registers. They say everything's good. He votes. And two years later, right before the election, Ron DeSantis, uh, the Trump wannabe, decides to start arresting people. And they end up arresting 20 people. And the majority of them were black folks. And they make a big show of it. And And then it turns out, if you uh, follow the story all the way through, this particular gentleman, like a lot of them, the judge was like, well, hold on a minute, we, you know, I mean, these people in good faith went down there to register, and, and some of the cases have already been thrown out, some of the cases where it's not quite as clear because this is a local matter down there, they reduced it all the way down to just a $500 fine and not a felony. What is Ron DeSantis up to here, Val?
1: Well, if you try to figure it out logically, you'll be here all year, and then sometime. He wants to be the go-to person along with, not necessarily after, but along with Donald Trump. He's trying to become as far right wing as he can on every issue and take the lead on some. He wants to be the guy that the QAnon folks, uh, that the Tea Party people, that the ultra right wingers, the proud boys, the oath keepers, the three percenters, you name them all. He wants to be the first name off of their lips when they talk about representation of who thinks like me, uh, who the next guy is gonna be to lead us over the next whatever, that's his goal. You know, people talk about Donald Trump so much about that he led the Republican party and led this country down down the road of maybe no return and so forth. I don't think so. I I don't give Donald Trump that much credit. It's the people, it's the American people, it's the white evangelicals, it's the white nationalists that saw or see the country slipping away. And it just happened to be Donald Trump this time. It could have been David Duke, okay? Could have been anybody, you name them. It could have been your good friend over at Duke University. Uh, uh, well, Stephen Miller. Even Mr. Miller. It could have been him. It could have been a lot of different people. It just happened to be Donald Trump had the nerve and the money to get up and, and do all the antical type things that made him stand out. And it could be anybody. So. Getting back to your question, DeSantis wants to be that next person. So he'll do anything. And the last thing we ought to do, trying to figure people like DeSantis and Trump and David Dukes and Miller and all that, Stephen Miller, don't please, we can't use logic. We cannot use logic to figure those people out. We'll be here forever. Because they don't work on those terms. They don't work on those terms. And if we sit and wait uh, for them to work on those terms, we, we'll never figure it out. They're on a different plane. And uh, until the American people wake up one day and say, hey, we've gone far enough down this road, it's time for, I want to go the other way. And I hope when they do that, Ed, that it's not too late.
0: Yeah, that, that's because what if I want they
1: remember. wait until somebody from the far right wins in 24 or 28 or 32 or whenever that's going to be, if that's when you want to pull the plug and say, we've got to turn this ship around by any means necessary, it may be too late. Mm-hmm. You're going to jail then for insurrection. You, They are going to treat you like you should have treated them. Mm-hmm. Now, right. they ain't going to play no games with you. They're just going to grab you up, take you down to the jail, uh, slap you with a charge of uh, conspiratorial insurrection. And that'll be the end of it. You and everybody who think like you or who that you've talked to. We'll never do that because it's not the right thing to do. Mm. We'd rather talk to them and have them to come around and see that our way of thinking is the best way and they need to come back and join us. Well, I think we're going to regret one day, Ed. My fear is we're going to regret taking this path of low resistance, taking this path of being the nice guy and being the person that people love to emulate and don't want to hate. Uh, That path is is not needed when you're in the foxhole and people are trying to take your head off, okay? You don't need that, that at that time, and that's where we are.
0: Yeah. You, you know, the other part of this, Val, is that, uh, and and uh, I saw some clips, but I, I just didn't want to show a, a lot of this, but there's already people showing up like at ballot boxes in Ohio, in Arizona with guns. Uh, when I went to early vote, there were poll watchers out there from the Republican Party. Uh, my fear also is that some of those people who are serving as referees in some places there's some video out there of uh, uh, people like Eastman, who has been tied to Trump, coaching people on what to do to challenge people's voting. And in one case, he says, if the person doesn't speak their name loud enough, challenge that because in, in Pennsylvania, the law says you have to announce your name and address and, and it has it in a certain order. And if the person does it out of order, challenge that vote. You know, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've been through poll taxes, Val, and the in and, and the Supreme Court said, you know, you can't do that. And in the Constitution even, you know, says you can't, you know, give people tests to vote or whatever. And these people uh clearly don't believe in democracy. We've talked about it a lot that they actually have fascist tendencies. And I know people sometimes say we're overstating when we say that, but what else is it? They don't believe in democracy because if they did, they would want everybody to vote and they'll come back and fall back on the excuse they, that this they is a republic. Demor- They
1: believe in democracy, Ed, but it's just for white people. In, in other words, if you go back to the founding, to the beginning here, they had no problem with everybody, all white people voting because it was just for white men. But as soon as they start allowing black men to vote, then women to vote, then it became problematic. You have to really vet who should or should not vote. And just being an American citizen, who went down to register, and by the way, we didn't have to register to vote all the time. Registration came in after voting started. And, and so we keep changing things to match our desired outcome. When I say we, I'm talking about the United States of America. They keep changing stuff to meet their desired outcome. And when it reached a bustrous area that ain't no more changing to be done, that's when you see the violence. That's when you see the insurrection. That's when you see everything else because they've reached that point, Ed, and that point, Happened on two successive years, in two thousand and eight, when Barack Obama was elected uh, president of the United States, in two thousand and ten, when the census revealed that as early as twenty forty two, white folks would no longer be the majority in this country. Those two things combined throw them threw them off the rail. You can throw logic out the window. You can throw fairness out the window compromise, goodwill, none of that works anymore. Unfortunately, there's too many Democrats who think it still works and they're still tethered to it and they're still trying to make it work, but it doesn't work anymore. They have been convinced that they can't win playing by the rules. And if you're still on the side to try to show them why they should play by the rules and try to show them what the rules are, I'm not sure how much time we'll wasting. We
0: so so you mean they're scared of colored and brown people is what you're yes. telling them. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, 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 that's what I suspect too, Val. And, and not suspect, that's what I know. I mean, because it, it's very clear to me in, in how they frame all of this. And, and of course, every time they talk about voter fraud and those kind of things, uh like the poor fella getting arrested, they'll, they'll go to black communities or they'll go to brown communities, and and then it turns out when you look at the statistics, it's generally Republicans who have committed voter fraud, uh, like people in the villages in Florida where you, rich white people live, and none of them have suffered the same kind of consequences. There's there's ample evidence there were people there who voted twice, they voted in Florida and they voted. In the state that came from up north as snowbirds, and they have not been per walked on TV. They haven't been, you know, treated the same way. Uh, and and so uh, we find ourselves, and I'm glad you know uh, you're a historian Val, and and we always bring history into our discussions, that that, you know, clearly, we know that if we follow the trajectory of elections, <laughs> An election uh, law in the United States, it, it it does become really problematic when you start letting Negroes vote and women vote and in anybody who is an American citizen vote because that that doesn't help them. Uh, they they don't believe in having a, a melting pot, and, and and they as much say so. But let's talk talk specifically about elections then. Uh, uh I'll start here in North Carolina real quick. Uh, Sherry Beasley, last polls I saw, you know me, I'm skeptical of polls. I, I, I When I was uh, a younger man, I, uh, during the election season, I used to work on some polls and I used to call people's houses and now nobody has a house phone. I don't know how the hell they do polls. Now, Val, you tell me, you're the political scientist. I don't know how you get a good sample because all the polls recently- in the last several election cycles have been completely off. But if you believe the polls, it says that Sherry Beasley has a shot. So the only poll that I want to hear right now is the Val Atkinson poll of one. I'm a poll Val Atkinson. Val Atkinson, what is Sherry Beasley's really real shot at winning this? What are you hearing on the ground about her chances?
1: What I'm hearing on the ground is that we uh, may have some reverse Wilder factor. Now, I don't know where this is coming from, but and, and I know how it works. Reverse Wilder means that in the, during the Wilder factor days, white voters would uh, intentionally lie to pollsters and tell them that they were, were going to vote Democratic when they knew all the time they were going to vote Republican, but they didn't want the pollsters to think they were racist by saying that they were voting Republican. And that happened in a lot of cases, not the least of which was Doug Wilder running for governor of Virginia. Of course he won, but nowhere near by the margin that they had that the polls had him uh, leading by. The reverse Wilder factor would be that some of these pollsters are being told, yes, I'm gonna vote Republican. Because they want everybody to think that they support uh, the, the white position. When, in fact, they don't want a lot of women, don't want their husbands or anybody else to know that either they are going to vote Democratic or they're not going to vote at all because they are sick and tired of what some of these alt-right uh, conservative Republicans uh, that call themselves Republicans are doing. I think that's one thing, and I think the other thing that's going to help is that we're going to have a massive, and I mean massive, turnout from the African-American community at the polls this time. And that'll be enough to push Sherry Beasley over the top.
0: Well, I hope you're right. Uh, Let's go to Georgia. Like I said, I was in Georgia this week. I had to take a shower after every commercial that was on there. (laughs) Val, I had never... I thought the commercials here in North Carolina were horrible, and I've seen some commercials from Pennsylvania that are pretty bad, but Georgia was on a whole different level. Uh, So uh, I want you to look at this clip. We talked about Herschel a lot last time, so we're not going to talk a lot about it, but here is another woman saying that he asked her to get an
2: abortion. A woman from Dallas claims Georgia Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker pressured her to get an abortion. She is the second woman to come forward and is not revealing her identity, but she says she had a years-long relationship with Walker, dating back to the 80s while he was married and playing for the Cowboys. The woman claims Walker personally ensured that she get an abortion back in 1993 by driving her to a clinic and giving her money for the procedure. Walker calls the latest accusation against him a lie.
0: So, Val, clearly, when I was watching the news every night when I was in Georgia, there were there were Republicans, white folks, who were saying it didn't matter. Right? So isn't that really it doesn't matter? I can I can I can say he killed somebody. Cause he at least he attempted to kill people in the past, because he tried to kill his ex-wife. Does it matter what Herschel Walker does? It does not matter because
1: what I want some of these Democratic pollsters and strategists to do for me is to tell me how many people are going to change their mind now that they heard that there is one other lady that Herschel Walker asked to get an abortion. How many, what's the count that's gonna say, oh, I didn't know it was one more. I don't think I can vote for him now. How many, two, 20, 30? 100? How many people are you going to get to go down that road and change their mind? My answer is not very many, if any, at all. You're wasting your time. The people that that type of news effects were already going to vote against Ursula Walker. You haven't done a thing by coming out with that kind of story. And that's one thing that the Democratic strategists seem not to be aware of they are preaching to the choir. All of the people who need converting are sitting on the back row in the church. And you're preaching to the choir. And they don't realize this, Ed, and they keep coming up with these little things, thinking that it's going to change the minds of the masses. It won't do it. I'm sorry. It won't have that much effect. I'm I'm still. Uh, on the side that says Warnock is going to win this race. But it is going to be a nail-biter. And, and I predict that there will be a runoff.
0: Uh, I think that's a good prediction, Val. And that's unfortunate. Again, I, I just saw way too many uh, indications in Georgia that Warnock couldn't win outright on the first go-around because there are too many people who are willing to uh even entertain voting for Hershey Walker when it's clear he's not equipped to be a U.S senator uh speaking about whether or not somebody's equipped to be a U.S Senator there's been a lot of talk in Pennsylvania about uh John Fetterman the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania he had a stroke so we know that here's a here's a clip where he talks about that and then we'll end up this segment on that and and, and we we'll, we'll talk I'm about running that. to serve Pennsylvania. He's running to use Pennsylvania and
1: let's
2: also talk about the elephant in the room. I had a stroke. He's never let me forget that. And I might miss some words during this debate, mush two words
0: together, but it knocked me down, but I'm going to keep coming back up.
2: I'm running for the U.S.
0: So, well, clearly, John Fetterman, you know, he, he says, look, I had a stroke. This guy won't let me forget about it. Uh, but he showed up for the debate. I, I went and watch the whole thing all the way through uh i i don't want to spend any time on the other guy because i don't think he he's now he may be a medical doctor but he's in this for the wrong reason and i don't even believe he should be running in pennsylvania it's clear that he's not a pennsylvania citizen he just showed up and decided to run just like herschel is a citizen of texas and he went to georgia to decide to run uh, but talk to me about Fetterman's condition. Uh, I don't think it disqualifies him because I still think, you know, from all the stuff that I've seen, and I'm not a doctor, I only play one on TV, but but from what I hear that he he's recovering and he's likely to fully recover because he's still a relatively young man. What are you hearing about Pennsylvania? And then we'll wrap it up on that.
1: Well, I'm hearing that uh, Democrats are talking about Fetterman too much. Uh, the Republicans brought up this whole issue about his health, and the Democrats are talking t- water for him. They can't seem to talk about that race without talking about his stroke. And th- because the Republicans brought that up because they think it benefits odds. And, and it did in the beginning. If Democrats want to talk about the stroke, they should talk about it in a way that elicits pity. Hate to use that word. But that's the way they need to do it. They need to talk. They need to connect with people out there who've had strokes themselves or who they know have loved ones that have had strokes, loved ones that have perished because of a stroke. And talk about the medical care that's needed. Talk about what we've done with Obamacare and things about that nature to help this and that. No, we fall right into the Republican trap. And we say, yeah, well, he had a stroke, but I think he can still take care of himself and he's still recovering and he'll be all right. Sound like a Republican. That's what they want people to think. Will he be all right or not? That person who's on the who's on the fence. You know, maybe, damn, I didn't know he, he was that bad. You think he can make out a full term? Uh, I don't, I don't. Let me go reassess my vote. You're carrying water for Republicans, and most of those people. That's why I said these Democratic strategists, all of them need to be fired.
0: Well, Val, I think all I, of them. I, I got a job for you for the next election cycle. <laughs> yeah, we're going to put you out there as a Democratic strategist and help some of these campaigns out because I think a lot of these campaigns could be a little more aggressive. And, and, and also shift the, the subject. I hear some music in the background. That means we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to talk about the new British Prime Minister, who's a brown guy. Uh, we're going to talk about Kanye West, who's a brown guy that needs the mental health services. Uh, we're going to talk about the economy and how it's better off than what we thought it is. And then we'll wrap it up with talking about the shooting that happened in Raleigh a couple of weeks ago and the final two funerals that are happening with that this Stay there. We'll be right back after
2: you. I want to be fearful every time I'm in an open area in a public place. I want to think about how completely vulnerable I am while I'm closing my eyes to pray at my place of worship. I enjoy practicing semi-annual lockdown drills with six-year-olds who don't fully understand what's happening. I like going to the movies and making a mental note of every exit in the theater to plan my escape.
0: I hope that our set is interrupted by loud percussive sounds
2: that cause the audience to scream in horror and run for their lives. I want to think of this dumpster as a hiding place for my kid. I enjoy when the only way a family member can identify their mutilated loved one is by the make of their shoes or a DNA test. I want to drop the carton of milk and eggs that I just bought and race frantically to a dingy back room where I'll be locked with fourteen strangers for seven hours and no air conditioning until the police say it's okay to come out. I want to celebrate our nation's freedom by worrying that I'll end up bleeding out on the pavement while being trampled by terrified parade cops. I like that anyone can anyone can easily access weapons of destruction, weapons of war, designed to kill the greatest amount, of, greatest amount of people in the shortest of... in the least amount of time. Just a little longer. I'd like to pay tribute to Liz Truss for her dedicated public service to the country. She has led with dignity and grace through a time of great change and under exceptionally difficult circumstances, both at home and abroad. I am humbled and honoured to have the support of my parliamentary colleagues and to be elected as leader of the Conservative and Unionist Party. This morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others in addition to my duties in this House. I shall have further such meetings later today. I would like to
1: congratulate the Prime Minister on his uh, new post and indeed uh, as being the uh, first uh, Prime Minister of a South Asian uh, heritage
0: uh, which will be a cause of great pride among many of my. Constituents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also have. And welcome back to our third and final segment of the deal. I'm Ed Clark. That's Val Atkinson. And uh, we've been talking about a lot of stuff, Val. We, we were talking about uh, John Fetterman, Jerry Beasley, uh, Raphael Warnock in the last segment. And I mentioned those three people because those are the three people I want to win. <laughs> I won't mention the people that are running again. Uh, so I'm going to be honest. I, I'm an honest broker here. I'm going to tell you, I think all those other candidates are flawed. Uh, in the lead-in, Val, we saw a brown dude, uh, parents from India, ascend to the prime ministership of Great Britain. The queen's dead. Charles is the, the king. And now a brown dude with a a, a sister as a, one of his uh, lieutenants is sitting next to him in in Great Britain. What the hell, Val? Uh I thought the sun never set on the British empire. Now brown <laughs> people are running it. Uh, uh, but on a serious tip, finally, the Brits have these immigrant people who are ascending to very important positions. Talk to me real quick about how that's reflective of how the world has changed. You talked about the numbers in the United States. Clearly, you know we've already had a, our brown guy, Obama. Uh, but we may have other brown people. Now, uh, Harris is the vice president. So now it's happening in Britain. Is that what white people around the world are afraid of? Is that that they used to go around and treating people so bad and now these brown people are, you know, running their governments and stuff?
1: That's definitely part of it. You, you you put your finger right on the big part of the issue here, Ed. Uh, Let's go back and talk demographics just for a second and it will make sense. If you count up all of the white people on the planet in all of the white countries and whites that are in countries where they are not the majority, in African countries, for an example, places like that, if you count them all up together, they only make up a a, a little over 11% of the population of the planet. I'll say that again, 11%. The other 89% of the planet is made up of people of color. They're made up of non-whites. White people are really, they are shrinking into their own little uh, enclaves. They are running scared. We've had a black guy running things in the United States of America, a brown guy about to run things in the UK. What's next? That's where all of that fear comes from. I'll take this second to talk about Roland Martin's new book called White Fear. You guys need to pick that up. He talks about some of this stuff in there. White folks are concerned. They are concerned that we are pushing them right off of the edge. So they don't have any place to run now. And it's showing. We are reacting to it here uh, more dastardly than they are doing in Great Britain. Uh, In the United Kingdom, uh, they are taking a look at things and they are saying our parliamentary system is allowing us uh, to go ahead and move forward without the rancor and dispositions that the United States of America put itself through. And we'll see. Uh, I hope we don't have a problem with that. But I think it comes from the notion that you asked a question what's going on. A lot of people don't understand that between India and China, they make up, they'll be make those two countries will make up 50% of the world's population around 2050. 50%, just two countries. And neither one of them are considered to be white. White domination of planet Earth is shrinking. And some of them don't know how to take it in
0: yeah you know you know they they spent you know good four or five hundred years running around the world pillaging uh because they they gave people the impression that uh that it was more of them than it really was I, I I'm glad you gave that statistic. I know people hate statistics, but I'm glad you gave the statistic about there only being eleven percent and then China India you know fast approaching being fifty percent of the world population because it puts things into perspective for me is that. Uh, if people only knew 100 years ago that it wasn't that many white folks, <laughs> maybe some of this stuff wouldn't have happened. Uh, and 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 a lot of the discord in Asia and Africa is the direct result of whites coming in and, and saying, oh, Jesus told me to come here and want we'll to convert you or either rule over you because, you know, you weren't all that bright. And it's our destiny to come in give you Christianity, a religion that we stole from some brown guys in the Middle East, but we won't go there. (laughs) That's a whole other subject. We'll do that on another, another show. Before we run out of time, so we got a few more topics to get to, and I want you to see something about economic news this week that caught people off guard maybe and the stock market went back up. Let's look at that, and we'll talk about it.
2: Let's get to our panel for some instant reaction. I don't know how to interpret it. Lindsay, I'll start with you. I don't know if you've uh, weighed in yet, but is it possible that with uh, the PCE uh, easing a little bit and where it doesn't look like we're in a recession, that's a pretty good number, can we extrapolate to say some people think a soft landing is possible? Maybe we can raise rates. Maybe we can bring uh, inflation down a little, but the economy can survive. Is that why stocks are up? Well, I think the third quarter number was certainly better than expected, as Rick laid out. But I would caution to say that this is an indication of sustainable upward momentum and more reflection of static support, particularly to the consumer. As we saw lower gas prices, as we saw additional state and local stimulus come down the pipeline, consumers increasingly willing to draw down what remaining savings they have and turn to credit cards. So, Val,
0: GDP was better than everybody thought gas prices are coming back down. When I was in Georgia, I got gas for $2.97. Uh, I know they don't have as much state tax as some other places. Gas is still high in California because of the stuff they have to do for gas. But but oil companies have made record profits in the last couple of years since COVID. They've used that as an excuse to you know soak people for whatever. But if you look at the economy as a whole, I can look out the window here every day and see them building stuff. Now, mortgage rates did go up. They hit a, a a high for the last 10 years. I think they're at 7%. At one point, they were down to, you could get a mortgage for 1.9% easy, right? Even with so-so credit. And, and now it's back up to seven. So if you, you listen to what they just talked about with GDP and, and the economy maybe not being as bad, is it, wasn't that true anyway? Didn't we already know that? Didn't we know that that supply chain and all that was affected by COVID and Donald Trump' insistence on not doing anything about it, and nobody was at work, everybody's at home, and the few people that were out working, a lot of them died from COVID because they had to interact with people. Talk to me about the real truth about the economy.
1: Well, the real truth uh, about the economy, Ed, is whatever rich folks say it is. That, that's the real truth about it. Uh, they, they make all the decisions about everything. Poor folks don't control the economy. The only time poor folks have anything to do with the economy, if there's an upheaval, they can stop everything in its track. They can make problems. But then they're, uh, they're risking life and land. But getting back to your deal specifically about the supply chain, I think that's a piece that most people miss when they talked about the economy and where it was going. There's no one individual, no country and its leader, whether it be Joe Biden or uh, Putin or whomever, uh, that could have done anything to stop the effects that COVID put on the economy in terms of the supply chain. And uh, that affects the, the, the primary law of the economy is supply and demand. And when you got a problem of that ilk, of that nature, then uh, prices just start getting crazy. And then on top of that, we had some untimely deaths. (coughs) Excuse me. We had some untimely deaths due to COVID and we had to start doing things differently. We had to start working from home. Uh, In some uh, cases, in some businesses, it interrupted our chain of command, how we ran things and who ran things for our particular companies. So it had an effect, but right now it's not having the deleterious effect that some conservatives would like to think it is because unemployment is low, all time lows. unemployment. We don't have that problem anymore. We got just the opposite. Companies are out trying to find workers. They're offering all kinds of incentives. Very few retail spots can you go to that you don't see a sign says we're hiring. How about that? You see it everywhere you go now and giving uh, new workers choices. Do you wanna work from home or can you come in a day or two a week? (laughs) You know, whoever heard of such, right? They're trying to do whatever they can. Uh, and then a lot of uh, states and municipalities have raised the minimum wage. A lot of companies have gone in and raised the minimum wage. Companies saying they're starting people off at $15 an hour instead of the $7.25 uh, that the federal government has by law as being the minimum wage. So we more than double that. And so, by and large, things look good. You know, one of my last jobs when I was working with the state of North Carolina, and I know you remember this, was with the Employment Security Commission. And we, I was with uh, UI, Unemployment Insurance, and we were responsible for writing checks to people who qualified for unemployment uh, insurance compensation. And of course, uh, it was a lot of rigmarole to go through uh, to find out if you're qualified. And then it took a long time. You had to go through a lot of changes about that. People should be uh, uh, just singing praises that we don't have that to worry about anymore. People really have no idea how blessed they are that if they are do find themselves unemployed, they can go down or go online and file the necessary paperwork, and next thing you know, it picks back up and you're employed again. I'm sorry, you may not be employed right away, but you are being compensated. You have money. You can pay the rent. You can put food on the table. And uh, those are some of the things that I cite and look at, Ed, when I think of whether or not the economy is really, really bad or not or whether or not it's really in the tank or not. And it is not. It's a Republican talking point. And I'm I'm not buying
0: it. I'm not buying it. Yeah, so don't pay any attention to those commercials that they say that we're going to hell in a handbasket. We're not. Hey, It's two more stories, Val, and and I don't mean to give this one short shrift, but a couple weeks ago here in Raleigh, there was a a mass uh, killing, and we've talked about gun violence here. Let's take a look at this clip and We'll talk about it real quick.
1: Today marks two weeks since a gunman went on a rampage killing five people and injuring others.
2: And today another family is saying goodbye to one of the victims. Rivera. Weeks and we're still healing, still mourning the loss of our community members. And today we are going to say even another goodbye to get another victim from the mass shooting while we continue to search for answers. So take a look. Later on today, we are expecting the services to begin for 52 year old Nicole Connors. Those services expected to begin any moment. She will be laid to rest in her hometown of Dayton, Ohio. And Mary Marshall's friends and family will gather on Saturday morning for a celebration of life at Dix park on the day that she was planning to marry her fiance Rob Steele. Now it's it's been a week since Raleigh police released their 5-day report. Since then there's been no new information and still a lot of questions. The shooter identified by family as Austin Thompson was found with a single gunshot wound, but it's still unclear if it was self-inflicted or a result of the interaction he had with police. Now of course
0: so about 5 people were murdered by a 16-year-old who um they don't know if he shot himself or if the Raleigh Police Department shot him or whatever. But we've talked ad nauseum here about gun violence and what to do about guns. And I guess the only thing I have to say is, you know, when are we going to do something about it? Uh, and we talked at length about it the the last time we were on. So I won't, I won't spend a lot of time. But what I do want to do at some point is get uh, some experts on here to talk about what really happens when you get shot by a gun an assault weapon and, 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 and the fact that, you know, the the last two funerals, one was on a, a Thursday. And then the other one is this morning uh, at 10 30 uh, Memorial service at Dick's park. So if you're in Raleigh and you're seeing this early Saturday morning at 10 30 at Dick's park in Raleigh, the last person will be honored who was killed. And, 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 and I guess that's all I'll say about that is that uh, now Raleigh joins the list of cities where you just say the name and you know it was a mass shooting, right Val? Well, you know, it, it gets it gets tedious. The last story I wanna cover, but I don't wanna cover is Kanye. So here's Kanye, and then we're gonna talk about it.
2: New tonight, the latest fallout with Kanye West and his anti-Semitic remarks. He's been trying to save his lucrative clothing line, including his shoe line, Yeezy Shoes, but today he got kicked out of the Skechers Manhattan Beach headquarters after he showed up unannounced with a film crew. He shows up then he is asked to leave and then he is escorted out of the building. Here's the latest watch. The executive offices of Skechers. It is here. Yay. The rapper, formerly known as Kanye West shows up uninvited and unannounced and is quickly escorted off the property with the shoe company later stressing Skechers has no intention of working with West the same people. This just the latest controversial our development our for Kanye, following his recent outburst of hate speech and anti Semitism comments that have already cost Kanye big time being dropped by several of his business and professional partners the last few weeks, including the sportswear giant Adidas, one of the latest apart ways with Kanye. These pictures from TMZ check em, show Kanye at a local bagel shop all smiles appearing to be in a good mood. This just before his visit the Skechers. That is several workers here at Skechers telling us they did not see Kanye, but nearly everybody in the company's offices spent their day talking about what happened and later told by their bosses not to make any public comments. Skechers itself... Val,
0: yay, Kanye, whatever the yay, whatever the hell yay he is. To me, Val, it clearly shows that he has some mental health issues. Now, he may believe all this stuff, that he says, I watched the interview with him with Pierce Morgan the other night, and he was saying that he was just telling the truth about the music industry. We know the music industry is bullshit. You know, it's chewed up people and, and spit them out, whatever, so on and so forth. So, okay, fine. But Kanye uh, ha- it has gone the extra step, and now he's starting to look like a homeless guy with a uh, pullover that has paint stains on it and work boots rubber work boots and showing up at Sketcher and all this other stuff. And at the same time, all the anti-Semitic stuff. But Val, a few months ago, he was talking about colored people. He was talking about Negroes and and how horrible Negroes were and how how George Floyd died from fentanyl overdoses and and didn't die from the police. And he and Candace Owens are with this bullshit. I I guess the, the last thing I'll ask you for today, is, uh, is celebrity the issue here? I mean, there's a lot of crazy ass Negroes and white folks and Native Americans and Jewish people. It's a lot of crazy ass people in the world that have crazy ideas. And I don't mean pejorative crazy, right? I'm just saying that clearly Kanye needs some mental health services. Is it only because kanye had a lot of money because every time people says he's a musical genius i'm like what the hell are they talking about i don't i don't i never like this shit i don't but, but that's just me are we too much in a celebrity culture in america is that why kanye is on tv just because he knows jay-z and beyonce i mean really
1: you have hit the nail on the head again ed uh You you know, I go back to, I'm not a big rap fan. I'm not a big hip hop fan, but I appreciate the music. And and I understand and I appreciate those who do. But, you know, I'm an old Temptations guy. That that was my uh, era of of music that I love. But I look at guys like uh, uh, Otis. William the, the the guy who founded the temptation the group itself and what would have happened to Otis had he not been a temptation or any of those other name groups they had the distance the Elgins the whatever before they became the temptation uh you know he would have probably been a factory worker at the uh, uh Ford uh Motor Company in Detroit his stepdad had already managed to get an interview for him when he said he wasn't going to go work at no damn factory. He was going to be a singer, you know? And he went on, he kept going, going, and, and, and stories there. Paul Williams, the guy that ended up killing himself, uh, he was a painter. He did house painting and stuff like that had he not been a temptation. And I could go on and name the rest of the, the people as well. What would Kanye have been if he hadn't been a rapper? What would some of these other people have been had they not have gotten to the point that they could rhyme and, and, and reason and talk in a mic and, and jumble the words so old folks can't understand them? <laughs> you know, uh, wh- what would they have done? And I'm not putting disparaging thoughts or words on that whole culture itself. My son, my youngest son right now, he lives and dies, but he, he he likes some of that music. He's not into it, he don't have time. But uh, I know a lot of people who, who love it. But Kanye West is one of the benefactor, uh, beneficiaries of the whole hip hop movement and culture. And I just hope he manages his money well enough that after he goes to get the help that you so aptly put that he needs, and after hip-hop has gone by the wayside like a whole lot of music genres have, don't mean it's here to stay just because it's here now, I hope he has enough to still be useful in this thing called life, that he can still positively impact some people uh, after he gets well and that kind of thing. Right now his life is a mess. I know he's got a lot of money. But but as as Denzel Washington says all the time, he said that's short money. You know, you know, you gotta talk about long money, you gotta talk about old money, you know. And it can't be old money until you get old.
0: Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, and he's gotta he's gotta get old. And and if he doesn't get help, he won't. And and I fear you you know this, Val, a lot of musicians and, and famous people end up dying with people standing around going oh i guess we should have stepped in and then the money's gone and nobody knows where it's gone because all the sycophants have been around soaking soaking all it all in taking it from this person who clearly needs help whether it's michael jackson or prince or Jimi hendrix anybody you just name any you know famous singer uh maybe they you know uh started using drugs to in prince's case because he has started having hip problems michael jackson couldn't sleep but there were people that should have said don't do that you know uh but instead they just wanted to be around famous and like i said i think that's one of the big problems with american culture is that famous trumps everything else hey and that's donald trump right he was famous and he became president Well, guess what? I hear some music. So that means that's a good place to end this. But before we go, Val, tell me what you're working on, something I need to know about real quick.
1: Well, the thing that we're working on right now, we're still doing the second edition of my second book entitled Distractions, uh, Distortions, Deceptions, and Outright Lies. And we're doing the second edition to that to bring things up to date uh, with the G's, I call it. And that's God, guns, gays, gestation, genealogy, government, and gaslighting. And if you can relate to all of those, we put a current spin on them. The book was initially published in 2018. So if you can relate to the way things were then, we're going to put a different spin on it now, four years later, because a lot has happened. Mm you want to bring it up to
0: date so that's what I'm working on right now. well that's a bunch of G's Uh, the other thing I need for you guys to do is a programming note Val Atkinson is on uh, Connections on Foxy 107 104 you see the logo right there Uh, for a few more weeks uh, he's ended his career on Foxy 107 104 on Connections so if you're up on Sunday morning and you're in North Carolina you can listen to it live on Foxy 107 104 you can listen to it online on TuneIn on uh, foxync.com you can go to radio one urban one find the link 8 a.m sunday morning uh the 30th of october and that means we're out of here i need for you to go out and do something good for somebody today and come back with us next week you've been watching the deal have a good day bye